0: This is bourbonblog.com. It's Bourbon Blog Live. Happy Friday, friends, and I hope you're already enjoying a pour of something really good. I know why. am. I'm having some Broken Rich Bourbon here with my good friend, founder of Brecken Rich Distillery. It's Brian Nolk joining us live from Colorado. How's it going, Brian? Good, man. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing, doing well. I'm already enjoying some, some Breckenridge bourbon here. You, do you have any poured there? Are you uh...
1: Well, I've been waiting because um, you know sometimes you should force yourself to wait. But I have a, a super special um, one that I wanted to drink tonight. So we do a lot of reserve blends or single barrels for people. Right. This is one that gets a little dusty at times. This was a uh, reserve blend we did for my favorite liquor store in the world called Big Bear wow they are down in pueblo colorado and i like them because they are the most friendly people i have ever met they've been huge supporters since uh the early days and they have a knack for picking incredible blends and barrels so this was the first this was a single barrel that we did for them and um man like 10 years ago and so there's only like that much left so
0: in honor of those guys. Wow, what a nice thing! And that and that's the one of your favorite liquor stores, or your favorite in yeah. in the world. Oh, yeah,
1: they're the best, man.
0: Wow. Well, cheers! We'll, we'll raise a toast. You got a single barrel there? I'm I'm excited to hear about it. And and I have uh, <laughs> I have a, a bottle of the bourbon and a toast and a cheers to every uh, everybody who's who's watching and, and, and enjoying this and and all our friends in uh, Breckenridge. How's everybody doing in Breckenridge? Little, going a little crazy,
1: man. A little crazy. Um, right. At this point, we need some clarity on what's going to happen. The trick, um, you know, Breckenridge is a the, our population is like only a couple thousand people, you know. Um, but on any given day, there's 100,000 or more people in town because, you know, we're a tourist town. And so the, the locals are freaking out that um, everyone's going to import all this coronavirus. <laughs> so they're trying to figure out, you know, how to reopen and invite people in, but not get mobbed and, you know, then have a huge outbreak. So um, they're still trying to figure that out, but they need to figure it out, you know, finally (laughs) and tell us when everything's going to reopen. So, so you, um,
0: so what are the next steps? What are you all looking at now? Well, so, you know, we,
1: um, we are essential business. Um, as a whiskey maker and uh an animal feed co-product provider, you know, so we production's been going. Um, yeah. but we have a retail operation, two tasting rooms in Brackenridge, you know, David Burke restaurant and a bar. And that stuff's been closed. So we can't do tastings or tours. So all that revenue's gone. Um, all the restaurant, I mean, we're open for carry-out and take out, but I mean, in delivery, but it, it's super minimal because you know we're a tiny town. So right. um, the revenue from that's been just almost nothing. But you know, we wanted to keep everyone employed, and we do family meal for breakfast and lunch for anybody that wants to work. So anybody that wants to work, they show up, and we find something for them to do. We haven't laid anybody right. off or furloughed anybody. We have 125 employees total. Um, so what we need is we need to know when restaurant can reopen and what the capacity will be. And when tasting rooms can reopen and when we can do tours of social distancing and all that stuff. And so doing that in the meantime, we brought a new barrel warehouse online in Breckenridge, which is cool. So we uh, bought that thing over a year ago and um, got it up to fire code and remodeled its 8000 square foot. Barrel house and we have just been chucking that thing full of barrels because wow. we're you know we're always bursting at the gills.
0: <laughs> we is the uh, new barrel house right next to the distillery or close by or right
1: across the street? Right across the street. So yeah, right next to for people that know Brack, it's right by Broken Compass. So we're here and then Broken Compass breweries there and it's just across the street from that. So it's walking walking distance. Excellent. And we'll also <laughs> distance.
0: No, and, and, and I've been so uh, so fortunate to be out there a number of times with you all. It's been maybe a year and a half or two since I've been there, but I am looking forward, once things get a little better, to getting back and seeing you, Brian, and all the great team there in Breckenridge. Uh, and for everyone watching, if, you're, if you've are if you tried Breckenridge bourbon, whatever you're having, list down below, tell us what you're drinking tonight. And if you have any questions for Brian about the Breckenridge distillery product uh, or just Breckenridge in general, Ask them down below, like, please share this. We're, uh, we're joining you a little bit earlier tonight than we usually do. We want to make sure we bring in a lot of great folks for it to feel like a party. And uh, and thank you all for watching us every night. We've been doing this. Uh, Brian, we had you on. I'm trying to remember. We, we've been doing it every night for about 55 days. We had you on about a month ago. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about right. So since then, I know you all were making uh, hand sanitizer. You were... Uh, are you still are you still doing that? What's the what's the latest and greatest on that?
1: Yeah. Oh my God. We've given away so we've just been giving away hand sanitizer, and um, we've given away over twenty thousand uh, dollars worth of it. Uh, the issue that we have is, I, I mean, I can't, I can't get any bottles for it because like everything is wiped out, and right. um, I just had several hundred of the little squeeze bottles that were supposed to show up on Friday, and we still haven't, um, or on um, Tuesday. I mean, we we can't find them, so. Um, getting bottles has been really hard, and uh, the way the FDA wants you to make it now, they want you to make it from, you know, 194 proof spirits. So, no, I mean, craft distilleries don't make 194 proof spirits, so it has to come off of a big industrial still. So, you've got to go out and buy it somewhere and bring it in and then blend it up to their uh, specifications. So, it's, it's been a huge pain in the butt, but, um, you know, we gave away about, we spent about 20K, gave it all away, and I just asked people for donations that came in and we raised about uh, about three grand, I think, um, and just donations. We gave that last week to USBG and um, and then the rest of it really where we didn't get any money at all for it. Just went to um, police, fire, um, bank, grocery store, routes. Um, town planning, you know, all construction sites, all that stuff. And, um, we've just been <laughs> wiped out, dude. It's, uh, been a trip. That's for sure.
0: That's well, that's great that you were able to help out USBG and so many people that needed the hand sanitizer already getting some great feedback. Uh, Derek watching us on YouTube says, love the Breck bourbon. It was actually the first bourbon he ever tried and he's sipping oh, on ooh. some right now. Uh, he also is a big fan of your vodkas, um, and so that's where we have a lot of fans of the Breckenridge Bourbon. And you all, um, you all have really grown the brand in some in some incredible ways with so many fun releases. Um, everything from the port, the sherry cask. You're, you're you've just done a recent uh, one-off with the Madeira, right?
1: Yeah. So we um, gosh, it was about two years ago. We had access to some really fantastic madeira barrels and so we we bought the whole allocation of them and so this stuff um sat in the barrels for you know well a year and a half maybe something like that and um when it was interesting because when we sort of got it to where the peak was um it was best at 105 proof and it was really good but then we left it in calf and then it really Got a little drier, and so we brought the proof down, and so it's better at like 92 to 96. Um, so we actually just bottled. We did a huge run of it and just bottled a ton of it. Um, and Hans, just uh, you know, our head distiller, got an incredible palate. He got you know just some, some different um, ages and stuff. So we laid some down in different uh, different times, and man, he just got it mm, dialed in, and it it turned out way way better than I thought it was going to wow. how the tastings were going over time. So I thought we were just going to do a one-off of this and release it, allocate it and, you know, sell it at, um, in Breckenridge and give it to some liquor stores across the country. But it's so good. It turned out so good that we just, uh, we got, we have more Madeira barrels coming. So I think we're going to put it, we're going to put it out. I, I, I like it better than the PX or
0: the, oh, gosh, finish.
1: Um,
0: the yeah. port and the PX, so, so then we're going to, with the additional uh, Madeira barrels, you're going to have even more than you originally thought then? Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, I think um, it was just going to be, We, you know, we do a lot of like, we'll do a lot of something, but once it's gone, it's gone, you know? Well, and, um, that's what I thought was going to happen on this one, but it's just, it's too good, so we're going to keep, we're going to keep making it. So we'll get these first couple of batches out. Um, they're available in Breckenridge now, and then they'll probably be available in some liquor stores across the U.S., Um, towards the end of summer because distributors aren't really taking on new SKUs right now, but we have accounts that are begging for it. So we'll, we'll get it through to them. And then um, we'll just keep it on allocation across the country for maybe eight or nine months. And then we should have quite a bit more available.
0: That's, that's great. So be watching for the Madeira uh, cast finish. All of your cast finishes have always just been so delicious. Is there, is there something about what you do, the way you do it that, and I'm sure there is that makes it so special because they've all always turned out to me as some of the best, uh, yeah. kind of dishes in the business.
1: Yeah. You know, we have a huge portfolio of products. So, you know, we go everything from vodkas to brandies and liqueurs, all the whiskeys. We do absinthe, aqua bee, rum. I mean, so we, we have a huge portfolio and, um, the reason that we do that is because of sort of where, first, we love it. But second, it's sort of, it's where people are at right now. Um, I was just having a conversation um, a couple of days ago. We were talking about how um, when I was a kid, I grew up, you know, in the 70s, and my dad drank that was it. You know, he drank V.O., Canadian V.O., that was it. Right, right. So, like my parents' generation, baby boomers, you know, that's that's what they did, and now with Gen X and millennials, um, people are more interested in in branching out, trying different things. But you hate taking a gamble on something and finding out it sucks, right? right. So our, you know, what what we do is we um, promise you quality, like above everything else, and that's always been um, what I've done. So it's always about quality first. It's I I don't like want to make something like the hardest way possible, or and I don't have to craft some ridiculous marketing story about how I you know I smuggled my grandma's weed out of Eastern Europe you know and, and grew it. you know it's like no. I want to hear that story. Yeah, no, I did I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I don't need a some shit story. Is what I'm saying. It's because it's all about the quality, 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 quality. So it's gotta look right, the package's gotta look right, the nose has gotta be right, it's gotta hit your tongue right, the mouthfeel has to be perfect, the flavor has to be perfect, the age has to be perfect, and the finish has to be long. So it's all about, for us, mouthfeel, taste, long finish, no matter what we do. Even like, it's yeah. so creamy in the mouthfeel.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so with the barrel finish, you know, it's about integrating flavors that we know are gonna work, spending sometimes years to get them right, um, you know, the rum cast took us, I mean, like six or seven years to get it dialed in just right. And I wish we're getting ready to release the rum cast finish here this summer. Um, so it's it's always about there's a reason. Like, I know these flavors go together and then trial and error to get it perfect. Like, I know I can't make it any better. That's when you get it. So, you know, that's why the rum, the, all the barrel finishes are um, are that way. There's something different on every one, something we're going for on every single one. Right. They've each got a role. And um, you know a point on your palate that we're trying to hit.
0: Right. They are all so unique and all so special, and and like I said, some of the best in the business, and and everything from from your uh, from your your standard bourbon release, which is incredible, to the finishes. And as uh, I see, Lich says he's drinking some of the uh, 105 high proof. The high proof is so good for uh, it is by itself, but it always goes. You made it really for a lot of it for the bartenders to mix with, right?
1: Yeah. So they, um, (laughs) you know, I I don't really think of American whiskey consumers, you know, so much as being, you know, wanting super high proof bourbons. Um, like I think scotch drinkers are more into that, but you know, we found over time that the bartenders have always been interested in slightly higher proof whiskeys. They like them higher proof and they love, you know, doing an old fashioned, uh, um, or even a Manhattan at a higher proof. And so, um, when we take, we taste every single barrel and we always just taste it at cask strength, right? So we get used to it at the high proofs. And, you know, over time we sort of forgot that maybe there was interest in it. And the bartenders were like, um, who would come in and visit and we would taste off of the casks. They'd be like, Oh my God, you've got to put out a high proof. And, uh, so we did, and we found one Oh five was the sweet spot. And you know, what's amazing is y- you wouldn't think that at 105 proof, the whiskey would drink easier than it does at 86, but hands down, it drinks way better at 86. Yeah. It's um, the viscosity and the mouthfeel changes on it and it, it really concentrates the flavor and, um, and man, the finish just goes forever at one Oh five. It's, um, it's my, like, I don't even want to drink 86 proof anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I love it. It's one of my favorites for
0: sure. It, it is incredible. It's something that, uh, with the warmth it has, it, though you know it's higher proof, it doesn't taste quite like that. It's higher proof. It's just enough more strength for something special for a sip or for a cocktail. Is there a favorite cocktail you like to make it with it yourself?
1: Ooh, you know, um, I mean, I usually, when I'm doing um, bourbon cocktail, um, I'll go usually one of two ways. Um, Go-to is an old fashioned. um, It's just, you know, it's hard to beat. And the other would be, you know, some kind of smash. So uh, simple syrup um, or honey and citrus, usually lemon. And then, you know, with the smash, some other fruit. Classically it'd be like orange, but I like doing like berries or cherries or just, you know, muddle them up and, that's, you know, that's pretty good. <laughs>
0: it's, it's definitely some good stuff. So many good cocktails. And I know you all, just like we have, we're, we've been doing this um, online program, and we're so glad to have so many of you all that are Breckenridge fans and, and just bourbon fans watching. Usually we are doing this at 8 p.m. Eastern time, but no matter what, um, definitely bookmark wherever you're watching it, or bookmark bourbonblanc.com forward slash live, usually 8 p.m., but just bookmark that. Follow us on social. Make sure you watch what we're doing every single night. We're continuing to do it every single night, probably for a little while longer. Uh, and you all have been doing some great virtual tape things uh, throughout the week. I've been seeing you and Billy, just everybody doing some great cocktails. For the mm-hmm. virtual tours, right? Yeah, we've been doing a ton of stuff. You know, hats off to Jesse
1: from marketing who
0: yes.
1: <laughs> does all the heavy lifting on that. Thank you, but John. yeah, we do um, every Tuesday evening, we do a virtual tasting. So Hans, our head distiller and I will uh, taste through two products and we'll sort of chat it up, talk about the products and shenanigans and history of the distillery and why we do what we do and all that stuff. Those have been a lot of fun and tons tons of people involved on those. Um, we also do a weekly cocktail seminar. So Billy Keithley, our liquid chef, she's absolutely amazing. Uh, she'll make a couple cocktails. Um and then we've been doing virtual tours. So uh, Aaron from um, who runs our retail will take people around, show them different, do like a live, you know, run around, show them different stuff going on in the distillery. Um, those have all been cool too. I think um, they're going to probably do one and show off the new barrel house um, here in a week or two. Oh, wow. Matter. So that'd be cool for people to see. It's huge.
0: That's that's awesome. I, I can't wait to see that. We've, we've tuned into some of these. And for those of you watching, just uh, – Tune in, watch for uh, Breckenridge Distillery at Breck Distillery at or what is it on Facebook at Breckenridge or at Breck Distillery? Is that the right place? Yeah. Watch there. Watch what they're doing every week with these live videos. They're they're a lot of fun, and the cocktails are always. There's always a new idea for a cocktail. I love the new ideas. Billy's always. amazing. They're so good. She's
1: amazing, man. Best bartender I ever met. She's like,
0: she, she does an amazing job. She really she's does. As crazy as
1: I am. So, you know, <laughs> she's not afraid of anything. She'll try anything. We were just, ta- I was just talking to her uh, earlier this week and I said, Hey, what about, what about an orange whip? Except instead of cream, you know, cause I don't think I need that in my life. Like what about like coconut water or something? So like anyway, she's just as crazy as I am. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Orange whip, orange whip, orange whip. So, so you, you got orange an orange whip one
0: coming, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I That's great. And so now you, um, you were mentioning earlier, I think, uh, well, we should also mention the, the rum cast, you mentioned the rum cast. That's going to be a permanent release. from Re- yeah, Re- It Re-
1: is. It is. It's like everyone's so
0: excited. You know, like I said,
1: we, we do a ton of products and a lot of releases. So we try a lot of things and my staff, you know, some of them, have been around for a long time. We've been in business for uh, 13 years now wow. and um, you know, they get excited about new releases, but there's never been the excitement like there is around um, the rum cask finish because, you know, like I said, we've been working on dialing it in for several years and it is so freaking good that we're afraid no one is going to want to drink any other whiskey on the planet including our other whiskey so we're just afraid that after that that's it and all we're going to be doing is making rum cast finish
0: uh bourbon so <laughs> can't yeah, call it bourbon. Yeah, what, yeah what kind of rum do you tell what kind of rum cast they are where you get them from yeah no what? it's
1: us it's it's our colorado rum yeah okay it's so. your
0: colorado rum. So it's only your rum you've been using which is by the way i do have some of them some of the rum some of the spice rum right here uh, yep. You use your rum cast, you put the bourbon in it, but really it was a process of perfecting it over the course of several years. Tell us how that, what that was like, what you were really looking for. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so um, we, you know, the rum that we sell in retail is a spiced rum. So that's the only one we sell in retail, but we make other rum, you know, for our bar, because at our bar, anything you get, that's the spirit we have to make. Um, But years ago, Jordan and I, um, we were probably drinking like, captain morgan or something <laughs> and we were like hey you know what we should like make like a authentic spice rum so you know we did a ton of research and went into the history of spice rum and found out how it really used to be made you know no fake flavors no fake vanilla fake cola tons of sugar like no no we wanted to do it the right way and so we did and um you know it's it's um one of our favorite things to drink so after we make the rum, you know, you have to barrel age it. And and then we do the macerations to get the flavors out. So the macerations are, you know, fruit peels, roots, barks, spices, you know, dried flowers, all that kind of stuff. And um, you do it in stages. And as we were macerating and just like drinking a bourbon or something, we were like, hey, wait a minute. Oh, man, you know, that's like we got to get that and that. And, that, you know, so it took forever to sort of figure out the perfect Combination of what we wanted to make in the rum that we wanted to make, just to get the barrel to age the bourbon in, right? right. So that's that's why it was such a pain in the ass. <laughs> and then the chicken, you got you to let it age. I mean, you got to let the, the rum age, right? So you don't right. get out of there until it's had, you know, like not twelve months at least in the barrel to get into the barrel, and then you put the whiskey in, and you know, you pull all that back out. I mean, oh, it's
0: just so good. It no yeah. spice rum is so nice, and I can't wait to try the uh, the, bar- yeah. the barrel the bourbon finished in rum cask. About how long do you finish it for? Uh, well, uh,
1: it's about a year process. Um, about a year, and yeah. then, um, but we will blend. You know, like everything we do, it's not just boom and that's what you get. Yeah. You know, it's we're, we're like we're blenders too. You know, we make. Um, a ton of booze, but we love to blend. And so when you're blending or vatting, you know, it's all different ages. So, right. you know, and even in um, our regular blend of bourbons, you know, there's stuff we say it's aged at least three years, but there's nothing like three years in there. Like, right. Yeah. In there that's 10, 10, 11 years old. And um, there's some that's a bunch that's six to eight years old. And sometimes there's a little bit that's closer to four years old, you know, depending on how how the blend is, is coming together. So it's uh, it's variable ages to, to just, you know, cause
0: it's perfect. Right, of course. I just poured a little of the spice rum as we were talking about the spice rum. Um, I wanted to make sure I had a little of that in my mouth and always has been such a, I think it's such an exciting rum uh, that comes from uh, the USA. I mean, you all were among some of the first to release uh, an, like a U.S. rum that just really, you know, just really impressed me, and just just so cool what you've done with this. It's such great stuff. Is there? A, it's obviously very cocktail esque by itself. Lots of depth. Is there a favorite cocktail that you, uh, Billy, make with the spice rum that you that you love? Anything tiki, man. Anything tiki, just put this. Oh, in. Anything tiki,
1: it's just it's the bomb for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, sure. take a rum, tiki drink of choice. Do a spice rum. I mean. You know, you you can't do a Mai Tai or a Pina Colada or a classic Daiquiri anymore without it. Like it's got got to be in there for me. That's the
0: one you reach for. Spice Rum from Breckenridge. It's incredible stuff. I see Jesse. Thanks, Jesse, for posting. She just posted uh, some of the virtual events uh, on Facebook. If you're watching on other channels, go to the Facebook. She posted those. All the different Zoom ways to tune in. Copy paste those. uh, Tune in. Tuesday for Mountain Time, and then uh, May 27th, 5.30 Mountain Time, Thursday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Go join those, because those are a lot of fun. We've, we've been a part a couple of those watching, and uh, it's always an exciting time. Now, you were mentioning earlier, um, Brian, that as you're getting a new product out right now, whether it's you or other brands, there are some distributors that are just not wanting new right now, new extensions. Yep. Tell me about what that's looking like for, you know, craft distilleries or really any distillery dealing with that kind of thing right now.
1: Yeah, I think um, so for like a lot of really small, small, small craft distilleries, which is probably the majority, um, you know, they rely really heavily on their tasting rooms, uh, for revenue and customers. And then um, if they have a following, lots of times it's, a group of like on-premise accounts, so a lot of bars. So the little, little dis- distilleries have been really, really hurting. Um, you know, we're much bigger. We're uh, 150,000 cases this year, I think, so or, or so. Um, and so we're a pretty large skew in a lot of our distributors' portfolios. Um, we found that what, what the distributors are doing right now is they're all focusing on Like their top 100 SKUs or top 200 SKUs. So if you fall out of it, and you know, these guys have Beam Satori, Brown Foreman, you know, Diageo, Pernod Ricard, right? right. That's the majority. Craft is only, we're 2.5% of the spirits business. So the majority of people's SKUs aren't aren't getting any, any love right now. And we've been lucky that, you know, in the bigger markets, in our top 10 markets, we're just, we're doing great. I mean, (laughs) we're, we're, uh, and then in the other markets where we're smaller, we're not selling anything, but um, pretty much universally, the distributors are like, you know, they've they've furloughed all of their on-premise uh, salespeople. So they're down to management and their retail folks. And, um, you know, they want to figure out what the lay of the land is before they try to launch anything new. So, we're, you know, what we see is no new SKUs really coming out unless there's special order kind of things before august and honestly i mean for a lot of things it may not be till next year i think for us you know for us the um the rum cask will get out this summer and then um in the fall is when we are gonna uh, launch the dark arts extension so the malt whiskey's blended with uh, scotch and um those are like my very favorite things because you know i'm a scotch guy i may love bourbon and rye um everything, but scotch is my fave, so.
0: Yes, I, I enjoy some good scotch myself. This is the series you told us last time called Two Clans, that's going to be um, a blend of your single malts plus some scotch whiskies from just sort of all over, several different distilleries, in Scotland? Yep,
1: yep, yep, that one that one took forever, forever and ever. And we had to wait for the dark arts to reach a certain level of maturity. So yeah. you know, bourbon ages pretty quickly, you can put out a good bourbon in three or four years. Uh, depending on how you do it. Uh, But malt whiskey, the young angular oak, um, is in there until eight to 10 years. It just, it takes that long um, for it to make the transformation to complete the circle. And so we had to be really patient with that. But yeah, the two clans um, is uh, a blend of a variety of scotches um, and the dark arts, which is like the Ferrari monster truck of malt whiskey. So it's an enormous whiskey. Um, from Breckenridge and then uh, the peated version will be released right after that. And uh, we were originally blending um, with, you know, Isla uh, peated scotches and um, that was sort of the plan. But um, over the years we've been laying down our own peated peated, uh, malt whiskey. So we get the barley from Scotland. It's been peated over there and it's turned out to be so freaking good. That is actually better if we don't use the Isla peated whiskeys. If we use the Breckenridge peated whiskey, it's it's even better. So I think the peated version, I'm probably just going to drink all the peated scotch I bought in bulk and uh, just start start using the Breckenridge peat instead. <laughs> it's so good. It's just so good.
0: So, you, so you said you like it with with your all's peated versus the blend. You just think it has much more of that peaty flavor.
1: Yeah, I like our peated version better than the peated version from Isla. In the you know
0: in the- well, that's incredible, and and I think that well this category of we we've, we've been seeing more and more distilleries doing, um and of course you all being one of the you know the first you've been do- yeah putting down single uh, yeah. malt years ago to really get them to the right age. But what do you, what do you think of, for for this category? What do you what do you hope that two clans this release will do for? for the category of American Single Malt, and do you think it'll inspire other brands like this? I do, I actually do.
1: I think it's gonna be one of the most important uh, brands out there um, in terms of pi- of pioneering this movement. Uh, I think, you know, we, we started with the Dark Arts, it was a very new style of malt whiskey. So it's very, you know, all specialty malts, so very chocolatey and malt forward you know, treating the malt library like American microbrewers <clears throat> use malt libraries, which was you know diverged from the way it was when I was a kid and people drank either, you know, um Michelob or Bud or Coors or you know, that was it. It was Pilsner Lager. And you know, now it's all specialty malts and hops. Um so 12, 13 years ago, you know, we started making our our version of a malt whiskey. So our version of a scotch but rather than having like the peat be in your face, we put the malt, the specialty dark malts in your face, right? The huge chocolate bomb and pretty much everybody followed. And so most of the American single malts are kind of that style. Um, and, you know, they're wicked good. Um, the high quality ones are, um, but you know, they're huge. And so, you aren't going to drink those in volume. You know, it might be like, and even like me with the dark arts, like a nip or two a week, you know, I'm good. It's not like I'm going and to and have three of them. Right. But um, with some of the lighter whiskeys, you might, you know, and so I think it's important um, that when you make a product like that, if you want to grow it and, you know, and get volume, it's got to be more approachable. And so this is like bringing together a lot of subtle flavors, super interesting, delicious whiskeys. And, um, so, you know, as, as, a Scotch blend, um, and the quality of it and, you know, being a Scotch guy, um, you know, I can taste something and tell you at the price point it should be at. I mean, this thing we could sell it for 200 bucks, you know, a bottle and, um, and we, we would sell a lot of it, but I want it, To be more than that. And I want people to be able to get it. And I know this is what people are dying for. You know, when they come and they have to drink or a cocktail and there's just, they're kind of missing something. And I'm like, I know what you want, man. You want that. (laughs) So um, we're going to put it, we're going to put it at a crazy price point. Uh, Like I'm talking like 50, like between 50 and 60 bucks. Wow. And there is, it's going to turn, I think the Scotch drinkers are going to just say, this is better than my $200 bottle of Scotch. That's my special treat. Like I could just have this whenever I want. And so, um, that, that's my prediction on that one. I think it's going to be a game changer. And I think that that's one of the products that's going to swing consumers into being like, okay, I, I like American single malt or, you know, or American Scotch style blends or, or whatever, you know, but. Right.
0: And and you and and I, I think that's really incredible how it, it will bring over some crowd that are Scotch drinkers. It'll introduce um, the market to something new. Uh, the flavors from both Scotland and from your distillery, they're going to come together to do something that not just a Scotch could do. Totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because, um, if you're, I mean, again, I love scotch. Right. Love it. Um, but when you're making scotch, you're you're very handicapped with what you can do. Right. Because, um, to simplify it down, you treat the barley one of two ways, right? So you either peat the bejesus out of it and turn into a very medicinal iodine-y, um, you know, uh, Isla style peated scotch, or you don't. And if you don't, then it gets a little bit of peat and it gets some heat and then you kiln it over anthracite so that it dries and roasts. Um, but it, you don't burn it, you don't caramelize it. So the, the, uh, the Scottish are very ritualistic in how they treat the barley. Like that's it. You do not burn the sugars. So um, with American beer libraries, it's all about burning the sugars. So you can have 50 different versions of levels of, you know, of burn or caramelization. And that gives you more flavor, but you sacrifice ethanol yield because you're burning the sugars to get flavor. Those sugars will never become ethanol. So it's, you know, it's so it's tricky. And with the dark arts, we've pushed it as far as we can. So you've got this super luscious chocolate bomb. It's just a multi monster, unlike anything else. So when you have that as one of your blending components, that you you can blend with, um, you know, lots of different single malt or, um, or really delicate styles of Scotch. I mean, um, wow, man! It's just it's a huge game changer. And really, that was that was really what inspired me from the very beginning was to be able to you know to make the malt whiskeys it just took this long. I mean, because, you know, the earliest stuff
0: we laid down is just now ready. Um, wow.
1: like it, and, the, and, the,
0: and the oldest stuff you have is about 12, 13 years old. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, you really can't, you can't release. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to drink malt whiskey younger than 10 years. Right. And I'm a super sniffer, super taster. So I taste the young Oak. And
0: it, once I taste it, I'm just like,
1: no, nope, I don't want that. You know?
0: I can't wait! Can't wait to try it. Two clans will be out. We'll look towards the fall. Uh, yeah, you out now or very soon. Madeira's—you
1: um, can get Madeira and Breckenridge right now. Breckenridge, um, we're loading up some liquor liquor stores that are, were, were special requests for this. So I think Benny's in Chicago is getting it, right. um, and then there's a couple whiskey clubs in California that are getting it. And I think that might be it. that might be it.
0: Excellent. And then the rum will look more towards the the fall for.
1: Yeah, man, the rum's ready. Uh, we're bottling it, I think, in two weeks.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and again, that one will be available in Breckenridge. And then it's that's a big launch, so it'll all happen in lockstep when the distributors are ready. So, uh, you know, they're they are good to go, but um, they they aren't gonna put any new SKUs out, I think, probably till August or
0: September. And, um that they know So many, be so many big, great new releases. The rum, the Madeira.
1: Like, yeah, everything's coming. Right now. It's, we also have a double barrel that's uh, going in, into Georgia right now. That was a special request for, again, some whiskey clubs that sort of, um, you know, there's these circles where you get like a whiskey club and some on-premise accounts and some liquor stores that kind of run in a herd, you know, and uh, they make special requests. So to uh, get the double barrel. So we take a fully aged, matured rich bourbon and then we put it in a new barrel and then you got to wait for that to grow up it was a huge pain in the ass <laughs> but um you know it's a huge whiskey oh my god it's a big whiskey uh but it just uh we bottled that one last week and um, that's going out i think like next week really nice um that'll be just georgia there
0: just georgia for that one yeah Yeah, so, I think that's uh... so that's that's quite a few so many great new ones that everyone can watch for and we'll of course bring you updates on all of them on on bourbonblog.com and and certainly have uh, Brian back on more to, uh, to taste with us and uh, also I guess you know as you were I think it'd be helpful as you were talking about um, how this is affecting uh, smaller distilleries craft distilleries, um, yeah. What advice would you have? If, you know, for you know, we have a lot of industry folks watching. Uh, craft distillers, obviously, you all have done exceptionally well over the years, and we've been really thrilled at Bourbon Blog to follow you from the very beginning of, of your growth. Uh, what would you advise? Advice, suggestions, ideas for craft distilleries, even maybe uh, you know uh, small bars. What, going forward, what do you what do you think everyone needs to do? Yeah, I mean, I think two
1: two separate issues there, you know, the, the yeah. bar first, like I, I <laughs> we don't see any um, light at the end of the tunnel for bars, if, you know, for bars, it's, it's really just going to be about um, for a while and then f- nobody knows how they're going to reopen. I think that the amount of hysteria going on right now is, is um, going to give us a lag period where bars are really going to be hurt. And, you know, to people and to the bartenders out there and uh, the bar owners, I just, you know, man, uh, I, I, sympathize with you, you know, running a bar of our own. Um, We've just been getting killed and there's, there's no end in sight. And all you can do is um, do your best, treat your people right. And, um, you know, make the best decisions for your business and your people and hang in there. And, um, it's, it's almost like you got to shut down your bar and then reopen a bar at some point. You know, I mean, it's, it's that bad, um, for the small distilleries, you know, again, it's, you know, I, I, think, um, most small distillers are pretty good at, at, um, running lean and getting through difficult situations. So that toughens you up. I think, um, small distillery and craft distillery people are, pretty tough they've been toughened up over the years we're, you know we're all used to competing against the giant multinational titans of the spirits industry and they they don't play fair and they have you know marketing budgets of 500 million dollars for a couple of SKUs <laughs> and so we're used to duking it out with them and so i have confidence that the distillers are going to be okay i think you know some of the ones that were um, already running into cash Trouble are just you know going to have to um, really take advantage of what's out there, for, like from the government PPP and small business loans and stuff like that, and and just hang on. But you know um, when you do come back, obviously, I think um, you find partners that are um, going to help you, and um, you can help them. People helping people, so you know it'll be getting back together with those bars and being innovative um, with your tasting rooms. And the thing that I've always thought was super important for a little distillery was to have a super uh, cocktail focused uh, program of some sort. So already work with a bartender or bartenders and, you know, pay them and have them consult for you and or employ them directly and get them out doing, um, you know, um, doing um, staff trainings and stuff like that. I think that's going to be key. So if you were a little tiny, tiny, I would say pick, you know, your, 20 favorite pet accounts on premise and be ready for when they reopen and for retail you know as soon as you can go in and start doing tastings do tastings and book as much as many slots as you can get your ass in there right people on it, have them get to know you and um, do it a bottle at a time man and um, (laughs) that's
0: it so nothing I'm sure they don't already know well I think it's good to be reminded of those things and also good for consumers to hear to be um Aware of, what, of what's coming and what the, and like you said the um, the wars between craft and and, and bigger distilleries uh, I would think that maybe craft distilleries may they're already working so well together finding ways for it to grow with different organizations but probably that bond between craft distillers, especially within a state like Colorado other states finding ways to help each other will probably grow even more don't you think? Okay?
1: yeah i mean totally i mean when you've gone through tough times or um been collectively had the shit beaten out of you you know together i think you sort of grow together so i i would think that um you'll see even more unity with craft distillers um i think for uh you know lots of times you get busy with what you're doing and especially if you're just uh winning you know you're just out there working 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 um we've all had to sort of take a step back as things have slowed down and look inward. And, um, we've also tried to figure out what's going on with the regulations are going to be. So we've had the opportunity to talk to each other even more, you know, and have the guilds and things like that do more. So I think that, you know, there's been a lot more dialogue with the smaller distilleries, um, and a lot of camaraderie and, you know, making hand sanitizer, right. Um, and so I, I think overall, I think the industry is the people in it have gotten to know each other better, rely on each other more. So um, uh, that, you know, that, that just helps. And yeah. really it's, uh, you know, I've always felt this way um, uh, about small distilleries and other small distilleries. I've just I've never looked at them like as uh, as a competitor necessarily. I've looked at them more as just someone on my team, like because we're all in the same boat. You know, like I said, even as big as craft is now, we're only a couple percent of total spirits. So wow. I, the guy down the street is not my enemy. Like I don't need to fight him for shelf space or um, cocktails or you know consumers because we're we're so small even together that it doesn't matter. We're really fighting a giant, like a giant, well oiled machine that is merciless and wants to beat you religiously. And that's what they do. They just pummel you with people, dollars, all their resources, marketing. And you know um, you, you can't, you can't beat that head to head. So right. you've, got, you've got to be really innovative on how you do it and you have to win person by person, bottle by bottle. And um, you know, I, I just, I think the small distilleries will, will realize that
0: even more um after this so no i i agree with you I, I and i and i understand part of your as a craft distiller that's, that's grown and you really understand craft distilling and and um but for others that are watching consumers say oh you know i see craft spirits on the shelves and i see big guys on the shelf what are the biggest what are you know, specifically the biggest challenges there there are in that battle that maybe consumers don't understand
1: oh man it comes down to dollars, you know. Right. So um, it's it's not like you just um, you make something and you uh, have a distributor that really wants to sell your product and then spends a lot of time talking to the liquor store owner or the bar to get it in there. Right, So you know, ninety eight percent of this industry is giant companies. And, um, so they do large distributor alignments, you know, so Young's, RNDC, uh, Southern, um, uh, breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so they, they come at them with a giant multi multi multi-million dollar billion dollar portfolio and they say, okay, you, you get our brands and it's going to be in these states and this is how much you're going to sell. And if you don't sell that much, then you're either writing us a check back or we're pulling your brand and moving to your, your competitor. so, So the distributors have to focus on who's buttering their bread, you know, because they're employing thousands and thousands of people and they have an obligation to their business and to their, the people that, you know, work for them and they have to run a smart business. So they absolutely have to cater to the giant companies. And then you throw on top of that. So the distributor goes in there and then the giant company goes, okay, well, hey, um, I want an end cap in there. And the liquor store says, that's cool. It's, you know, it's whatever. This is the arrangement to get it. You know, it's different state by state. In some some cases, um, you know, it's free goods. Other cases, it's a price reduction. Other cases, it's um, incentives for the salespeople. So that all works. And anyway, their their toolbox (laughs) is enormous. And so that's why they're 97, 98% of the business. The rest of us, we're just going in with a quality product that took a lot of time to make and the overhead's high and the margin's low and it's a better product, uh, but we don't have the marketing and um, the hammers to, to push it through. So we've got to somehow convince a distributor or a salesperson on that distributor that it's worth their time and energy to go sell it even though they're not making extra money on it and then have them and you or whoever talk to the liquor stores or bars and convince them to bring it in and take a chance on it and even taste it. And Hey man, you know, normally they're pretty busy. So they don't you want know, to I get don't the taste it in their the ranch. The last 10 I had sucked. I don't want to try your product. You know, I don't need another vodka. You know, I saw all that stuff. Um, so man, it's, it's, it's challenging. That part's challenging. And that's why most of the distilleries, little distilleries, they do great as a destination or in their tasting room where people come in and they sell the product and take full margin or find some good partners out there especially like on premise in the bars or a couple of good liquor stores and that's sort of where their business kind of gets stuck to make that leap where you're where you're in the arena with these giants you know that are just pummeling you i mean that's that's a really hard leap to make so to get from a brand that's selling 10 cases to a brand that's selling you know a couple 100,000 cases that you know that's just um, it's damn near impossible And, um, we, you know, we, we got there for a variety of reasons. One of which was that we got an early start, you Mm -hmm. know, we we developed a following. And, um, so, you know, now if I was starting fresh, my business model would not be the same because I would know that there's no chance in hell that I'm, I'm going to get there unless I'm prepared to spend mega cash to, um, you know, push the same buttons that the big guys are pushing. Right. It's tough.
0: Right. No, you have so, so many good points there. And I think that obviously you all have always been a hardworking, amazing team with great products and getting a region. I think so many distilleries we've seen that have gotten a region like Colorado, like Breckenridge behind them, grown it and and, and be, like you said, become a destination, grow it. I think so many have grown that way, but it would be it would be tougher to start a craft distillery right now, wouldn't it? it would it would be i mean if i was
1: starting now i well actually the reason i started was it was going to be like a hobby distillery <laughs> so it wouldn't have been any it wouldn't be any different from this the starty start and right. actually if i was starting now it would probably be more like i had intended it to be where cuz this just came out of my passion for whiskey that was right. like it. i already had a career i already made my money i was already doing what i was doing you know I'm a doctor and i didn't need another project so for me um, this was just because I loved whiskey so much and I, and I wanted to make it and and had, the you know, had the epiphany uh, in Breckenridge while I was fly fishing, standing in the water. and I was like, oh, man, I need to see if I can make this work. So for me, it was just going to be it was just going to be a little hobby where I employed like three people part time, you know, a couple barrels of whiskey a week. Right. It, I, it was for me, it was very romantic. And then but the problem for us was that we were just super successful and people couldn't get enough. And so we just blew up. And so, well, when that happens, what are you going to do? And um, so, you know, I, for us, we just we went for it, you know. Um, but if I was starting now, I, I would that wouldn't be my goal. I mean, because you know, I, I started this because I love whiskey, and now you know, 125 employees, 150 thousand cases of booze. Wow. What my days are like as a CEO, like I, I mean, I don't get to just swirl a glass and, you know, go have. Fun. I mean, I do a little bit, but the majority of what I'm doing is talking to, you know, attorney risk management, dealing with insurance, HR issues. When you got 125 employees, um, you know, trying to innovate and, um, keep my shareholders and original investors happy. And, you know, so it's, it's dealing with it's spreadsheets and, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And, uh, that's not why I started, but, uh,
0: what are you going to do? Well, you've, you, 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 uh, Brian, you've done such a great job, you and the team there, and it's it's um, so much fun to have you back on here to talk on bourbonblog.com uh live here. And uh, I think you know as we as we as we wind things down here. And again, thanks to everyone who's watching. Still, if you have any questions, ask them down below. Tweet back to us. Retweet the video. Just glad to have all these great folks watching. Are there laws, rules, uh? openings of restrictions that have come out of uh, in Colorado specifically or, or anywhere that you know of from this, the time during COVID that you hope will, will stay on the books, be helpful as you and other distilleries move forward? I mean, or what are your thoughts? No. no there's nothing <laughs> no. that they've I mean, allowed you to do that you think will be helpful even moving forward.
1: It's been 99% pure misery. Um, okay. The only thing that people are getting to do now is to go cocktails. To
0: go cocktails, right?
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of it. And I, you know, long term, um, I think that is great for bars um, until they're completely back open, and for distilleries that can make the cocktails stuff. I think you know for their business, that's great. Um, Is it better? Does it? I mean, is it good for America as a whole to have to go cocktails flying around everywhere out there? I don't know. I mean, uh, if people are responsible, I'm a libertarian. So for me, I would say you should trust people. Um, right. and that's how I feel about it. But I definitely see the argument, um, from, you know, people that are, are worried about that happening. And, um, you know, we, we talk about a lot, you know, especially being a doctor about, um, about, you know, alcohol and right. industry and whiskey in particular, And, um, you know, the thing I've learned um, as a doctor is that people absolutely must have their diversions and different people need different levels of them. And um, I think, you know, for me, whiskey is a great one. And for a lot of people, I think alcohol is, you know, a great diversion. But for a lot of people, it's also not, you know, um, anything beyond moderation is horrible. And, you know, there are lots of things that um, are in that category. You know, whether long term, I don't know what, what people are going to do, but what I suspect is going to happen is it'll be state by state. I, I think some states will um, will um, allow to go cocktails to keep trucking and others won't. But I also think it's a good time for states. They should actually just take a time out and look at what's going on in their economies and how they treat different businesses, you know, or subsections of them. And this would be a great time for them to sort of even things up a little bit and and treat people a little more fairly, you know, because, um, I don't think any state really treats spirits, beer and wine the same, but why wouldn't you, you know, I mean, it's all booze. so The rules should kind of apply and, you know, it's kind of, it's crazy that, uh, you know, for instance, Colorado, breweries you can make tons of beer distributed all over you can have brew pubs and you can sell beer wine and spirits whether you made it or not doesn't matter but if you're a distillery oh no sorry you guys you can distribute um, but if you distribute more than 50 cases or whatever then you can't have a bar that serves beer or wine or anybody else's spirits so you know i, I mean it's just it's crazy to me I, I think there should be opportunities for like collectives to get together like in call like for for well, we do. We do a ton of business in our bar. It's a destination. People come to our bar, David Burke Restaurant. It's super awesome. Yeah, it it's so good. But you know, I mean, why can't I serve Colorado wine, or why can't um, I serve other Colorado spirits? You know, and make some cool cocktails. Like I don't make a blackberry liqueur. You know why? Why can't I? Um, you know, have another Colorado distillery that does and make. I mean, it'd just be cool, and then they could do the same thing and. You know, I just, it, some parity would be nice and, you know, I don't know whether to-go cocktails will stay or go, but it would be nice if craft distilleries were treated with parody um, compared to, you know, the rest of the
0: industry. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with to-go cocktails. Um, laws on, I mean, I know they, they vary so much. Laws on shipping. Um, think any of those will change much? Sure. No, <laughs>
1: not I don't. No. This hasn't really changed that <laughs> at right. all. We still can't. Um, again, you know, I, I, we, we can't ship our product directly to customers. Right. Period. Well, okay. Well, wineries can, you know, wineries can, right? And and then, and then there's the interstate shipping laws where states run differently, and you know, I think states should be allowed to make their own decisions on stuff like that. But I think it would be smart for them to look at it and um and see the opportunity there you know and in the end people will just get more better access to more better products and it would help the smaller businesses so you know why wouldn't you do that and the answer as to why you wouldn't do that is because you're being told by someones giant lobby group not to do that so right. the giant companies and the giant industry people um it's all it's all the lobbyists um you know you know wine and dine the politicians and give them money for re-election and that that's how our laws end up to be the way they are. Um, I think it would just be it'd be nice to say, okay, some of that's fine, but also, um, you know, we're going to look out for small business this way. And craft distilleries are small business,
0: right? What well, I do think it's so important, and I think so many of our viewers that that enjoy good whiskey and good spirits uh, really do enjoy um, not only Breckenridge bourbon, and 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 we've had so many great comments from them, and we're glad you all support Breckenridge, but also they enjoy craft distilleries and. I would echo what Brian's saying, continue to support, especially right now, but always, but definitely right now, continue to buy those craft spirits, support them, and obviously, um, you know, encourage uh, lawmakers to, um, to help small businesses and small craft distilleries to ensure that you guys can um, continue to do what you do. Amen, brother. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Brian. We'll definitely have you back on some more on our nightly series as you uh, get some new releases out there. Thank you. Always for your insight and always great having us sit uh, with you, my friend, and really looking forward to seeing you and Litch and, and the whole gang. Jesse, thanks so, so much to Jesse for all her help tonight, too, and just and everyone. And, and be sure you visit um, BreckenRidgeDistillery.com. You can find all their social media. We're going to keep this video up permanently wherever you're watching it. But if you also just want to listen to our podcast channel, we're going to put the podcast from tonight up on our podcast, which is down below their anchor Dot uh, FM uh, forward slash bourbon blog and join us every night uh, at 8 p.m. around 8 p.m. Eastern on bourbonblog.com forward slash live. Hey, I think the last, this is so funny, the last time I had you um on, I was doing Drew Estates the next night. Tomorrow night, I'm going to have my buddy Matty Rock from Drew Estates on having some with me. We'll probably even put some of your whiskey with it. Oh, it may, and maybe he has something here.
1: Funny, funny you should mention that because yeah that's what's in my future tonight. You got some true estate there which which one is oh the
0: kentucky fire yeah
1: kentucky fire cure the
0: kf i love it i love that one. i have some just right over there so what is what you are you gonna pair that with uh always the
1: px cask finish
0: it's so good with the px
1: yeah oh, man. just that's like the
0: that's the cigar crusher right there it's it Really? oh it's such a it's such a beautiful one in fact when we when we featured your old whiskey I think it was a couple years ago at in Vegas and IPCPR, that was, I think, one of the best pairings we had with the Davidoff cigars was your PX cast. so it was uh, it was so nice. So, well, thanks, everybody, Derek and Irene, Randall, Lich, Dewey, everybody who just tuned in, and, and Heather, everybody watching, who's commented, and Brian, great to see you. Uh, you guys stay well, and thanks for all you're doing uh, for the industry, and, and stay strong, and we'll see you all hopefully soon in, in the new year or very soon. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Brian. Thank you so much, buddy. All right. Hey, thanks again, man. This was great to see you.